Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. A slightly later than last week, uh, Four Blades in a Pub, brought to you via Zoom, because we don't get to the pub anymore. But enough of the sob story. I'm John. I'm delighted to be joined by Ian. Good evening. Dan. Evening, Earl. And where are you joining us from, Dan? Uh, I'm joining you from a hotel, the Radisson Blue Hotel in Frankfurt. Well, there we are. Continental Blades. He's not on a scouting mission to find a replacement for Njai. Uh, he's uh, he's away with work and Phil. I'm not he's away not with work me. and Phil. Just so we're, just so we're clear on that. I'm at home. <laughs> Phil's at home. Phil's at home. Uh, but yeah, so slightly weird start to the pod there. But here we are. So United won again, which is really good, really positive. Um Due to prior arrangements and games being moved to TV, I uh, I only saw the first like 35, 40 minutes of the match. So you're going to have to take your lead on this, boys. Uh, but from what I saw, really lovely goal from Jebison after a lovely bit of play. I thought the way he got it out of his feet and finished it was fantastic. Not quite sure what was happening with the celebration, but we take it. And a um, few reports I've read said it was all downhill from there in terms of quality. Is that fair? Unfair? I don't know. I think um, we had a bit of a debate after the game, uh, me and Dan, about it. And I think I, I was really impressed with Hull. I thought that the way that they they, they shaped, that they, they kept all game and the way they pressed us and all right, they didn't really create a great deal on the back of it. But they really, really impressed me. But, but in hindsight, looking back, we could and probably should have been at least 2-0 up, 3-0 up maybe by half-time. And yeah. th- throughout the rest of the game, we really defended our box really, really well without doing a great deal ourselves going forward, which I think is probably more down to where I'm coming from with their shape and how they pressed us. But really, we should have we should have won that game, that game 4-1, I would have thought. Wouldn't have been unfair on them if we had it on. I'd, I'd agree. I think I think they restricted us and teams are going to come and do that more. We've got to find a way to counter that. And you can argue, well, we did, we won. But probably, let's say, a more, more effective way that gets us into those attacking positions a bit more. Because um, obviously, second half, we did get pinned back a lot. We didn't really create a great deal. Um, those chances, as you say, could have been two, three nil at half time. Jebison had a great chance when I saw it back, and it, you know, a bit of composure and across the keeper, but he fired it straight at the keeper for one of those chances. Um, I don't, I don't know if Hull were great, but Hull, Hull executed their plan very effectively. With the, with the probably the exception is they didn't get, they didn't really threaten us with the yeah, once they went down. Hull's plan was obviously to come and try and stifle those, to press us really high. And the, yeah, you're right, they executed that well, they were organised and they, they worked hard. But there was no, beyond that, there was no ambition there. It wasn't like they came and went and had a, and had a proper go at us. You know, and the old adage, it's easier to destroy than it is to create. I'd give them credit for, you know, for coming and setting the stall out, not to get hammered and, and to try and nick a point or nick a goal from a set piece. I wouldn't say, I, I, other than 
Other than the lad in the middle of the park, Seri, who was at Fulham, who impressed me, I wouldn't say there was any of their players that I thought were outstanding or that would kind of linger long in the memory, to be honest. I, I, to be fair, I thought, and it's, it's one to probably raise because he used to play with us and obviously there was plenty of noise <clears throat> from certain quarters when he, when he was let go, but I thought Slater had a tidy game. I was surprised when he took him off. And I, and I mean that in, not in a way that he'd, I'd sit there and think, He'd be in our first eleven, but actually, you'd question whether he could do a job for us in in the squad still. Well, he, he stopped Bogle playing basically. I mean, albeit he let him go for that for that one on one that Bogle broke through, broke the defensive line or the offside trap. Um, he, he was there basically to stop Bogle playing, and for the most part, he did. I think someone said it on the way out, and it's a fair point as well. Actually, considering we paid four million for Ben Osborne and let him go for fifty grand. There's not a lot to pick between them two players. And with us, especially Osborne's out of contracts at the end of this season, as a squad filler, I think he, he's, he's ample good enough to do that job, but he certainly wouldn't be affecting our first team. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's all he would be, wouldn't it? He'd be, like Osborne is, he'd be fifth-choice central midfielder. He's, a, he's like a... Probably a little bit better, but in fact, no, he can't be better, can he? He's probably another, he's another Nick Montgomery. Yeah. You know, he'll work hard, he'll put himself about, he'll he'll do a job on a, a single opposition player and try and nullify them and effectively make it ten v ten, which is what we used to try and do with Montgomery. Let Montgomery just take in another player out of the game and make it a ten v ten game. But yeah, it's he's, he's an average plodding championship. I mean, all I would say about the comparison with Osborne is, um, like, A, Osborne probably offers a bit more versatility, and we we bought Osborne to fill the squad in the Premier League, which he did for two years, and last season, this season, at the upper end of the Championship. Slater's there because he's been developing and playing those league games. We didn't have space to use him as a bit-part player he wouldn't have kicked on as he has as he's gone there and he's played so many games for them and done well. Like I think it's he like obviously it'd be lovely to have a Sheffield lad in and Vegan, I I I used to teach him. I know I I know him say hello to him in the streets, a lovely kid, really good attitude and stuff. But I think the reality is we just couldn't afford him the minutes to develop. Um, he probably wanted to go as well. I think the, the point I'm making is development and where he is now, but he probably needed to go for his own sake because he wasn't going to get in our team. And I think maybe some of the some of the murmurings, I don't know, depends who, whose mouth they come out of, but maybe sometimes in previous regimes, we particularly the last one, we didn't give some of the young players as much chance as as, as we have done over the last two years and maybe those criticisms at first yeah you could look at them and think well of course like sour grapes but maybe maybe there is a valid point in there and whereas I think the, the classic one the before before Wilder Adkins always used to say there's got to be a path to the to the first team and I always remember going away to South End and he played Ben Whiteman out at right wing back up against when they had the quick lad on the wing whose name escapes me and basically hung him out to dry, never gave the young players a set chance in the first team. And if we're being honest, Wilder didn't. Um, and it's that's one thing with Heckingbottom. 
these players are getting in and around the squad. And I don't know the stats, but I'd be interested to know how many academy players have made the debut under Heckingbottom. I would hazard a guess it's, it's getting into double figures. Not that any have particularly sustained a place in the side, don't get me wrong. But in, in terms of debut in the league, I'm obviously through injuries last season and stuff, it was forced. But I've got to be getting on for 10, haven't we? Sariki, Arbaster. Nick, seven, yeah, seven maybe. Jebison, Njai, Ula, Sariki, um, Centre-half. Kyron Gordon. Kai Gordon. Um, Will Ar- uh, Oli Arblaster, like you just said. So, yeah, pretty far off. Yeah. Far off. So, it's, I don't know. There's been a bit of needs must there, though, like you say. Of course, but... Yeah, it's been necessity in, in, in some cases, hasn't it? But you've also got to have the the sort of, like, balls to do it rather than doing, like, um, square pegs in round, round holes, like I think we've done many a time in the past. These players have come in. I mean, as well, like... This was discussed on Blade's part a lot of, when they did the players. A lot of like, like what was that? <laughs> I think we've all heard that noise before. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Uh, but like it was when it was discussed on Blade's pod, like people like Siriki were considered to be like this oven ready player, and he, he didn't look like that at all, did he, when he when he played. It was a oh. very difficult game, but like there's a reason he's gone to Rochdale and stuff. It's interesting that um that Andrew said though on the view form on the lone players, people like Norrington Davis used to get horrendous feedback and then obviously broke into the team. So who knows what will happen. I think it unfortunately for some of these players, there may be more opportunities for them if we weren't looking like we'll be playing in the league above next year. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's what's happened before, isn't it? That's what's happened with Slater. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? You've got an academy building that probably wasn't ready for a Premier League club. And again, we're playing catch-up. We might be there. We we needed to be sustained up there probably to to see the benefit of that in a few years' time again. Yeah. But also, I would say that there's a lot of enjoyment uh, when you look through the Championship and there's increasing number of United players being ex-United players being regular starters. And some of them have had to go all the way down to make their way back up. But like McFadson now, the one that we pl- that plays in the championship, not the one that we might play against on Sunday, he's gone all the way down, played his games in the divisions, established championship centre-back now. And then you've got ones who like Smith and Slater at Hull who, who were getting involved quite a lot. A bit younger. It's, it's, it's a, it shows that the model works, maybe just not as the first team feeding uh, system that you know you 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 pray your academy is going to be. But I don't know. I just think that was. I just wanted I, to bring I, up I about the against McFadden's dad. I, I played against their dad Sundays in Sheffield. Fuck me. Absolutely as hard as I am. I'm not afraid to fucking dish it out either. Well, there we are. We once saw him when we were running, didn't we, Phil? Doing sprint by the valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big lad. It's Kyle. Uh, his brother, not so 
much of a player that I have any envy towards because I've still got nightmares about that game at Gillingham when he played left back first game of the season under Atkins. Hope that sharp drawing of breath came through well in the headphones there. But, but yeah, like Slater, you were saying, and Seri had a good game. But in terms of Blades, obviously McBurney came back into the fold. So any conspiracy theories that even we might have put oil on the uh, petrol fire on. The only conspiracy theory I've seen about McBurney coming on is we deliberately put him on to wind up their kid who got sent off. According to a whole fan, that's the only reason he was sent on to wind him up. But it works if that's the case. I mean, he does love it, McBurney, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, and I wish we had a few more who were up for it, to be honest. We've obviously got Fodringham, who, if the glitch in the Matrix turns into the rock, uh, rock bottoms people after the final whistle. I, I don't know if there, if there was a like. You're going to send some of the Blade squad in for a scrap. Who's going in with McBurney? Bulled up, but he get knocked out. Jack Robinson. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm Robinson for that Robinson. Yeah. Connolly. Oh. It, it, I mean, let's it's, honest, it's just like him picking a child up and chucking him across a room, but he's fucking horrible, isn't he? Connolly. How, how far has his star fallen? For when he first came through at Brighton? And this I wanted to get him. I wanted to I wanted us to go for him when we're in the Premier League. Like, he won't get anywhere near our team now. He's dog shit. I think Wilder pretty much pleaded with the board at Middlesbrough last season for the cash to get him in, and he did nothing there either. He, he just... He was he was like when they were... It was like a wasp, wasn't he? He was just like buzzing around, being an ir- irritant everywhere. Chucking, chucking himself on the floor. Yeah, didn't, didn't offer anything at all, did he? Didn't yeah. actually offer anything... Quality wise, but then I saw Hull fans, so you know, telling him on social media how well he played and please sign and didn't see it all, didn't see what they were seeing. Obviously, I mean, I'm just looking back, he only scored five goals at Brighton, it felt like he was scoring every week for you know, a good few weeks. I bet they were in a really short space of time, yeah, yeah, five he goals. Did, he did burst onto the scene, didn't he? Yeah, five goals in 45 games, for them. yeah, it, yeah, he was, uh, yeah. I, I, he needed some WWE commentary dubbing over the top of when Robinson picked him up. <laughs> I mean, that's just outstanding. I, I think I said in the group chat that it, you said he was your man of the match, Phil. I think from like about this time last season, Robinson started playing with some real consistency. And I think um, the beginning, like obviously we didn't have him at the beginning of this season, but the back end of last season was really, really important for us and played really well. And he does add that aggression, which I think really really helps us in both boxes and set pieces. I mean, he did go back to the Robinson of old a few games ago where he randomly tackled McAtee for no apparent reason. But, like, that's that's Jackie Longthrow, isn't it? But, yeah. You know you're going to get mistakes with him. That's the thing with, with, with Robinson. But if he can if he can temper it and calm him down and cut him out, if he can, he's, he's just... At this level, anyway, he's a decent player. He, he's a good defender. He adds that bit with the th- with the throw-ins that nobody else can do in the team. And like you say, it's that a bit of aggression. Sometimes them kind of tackles like he, he did on the halfway line, which was his second touch, by the way, um, that, that made him made him have to go into that tackle like that. But them, them sort of tackles can get the crowd going. And I will yeah. say, a point for the crowd, I thought the atmosphere was much better on Friday than it has been for a while. 
Yeah, noticeably. I, I thought that fairly early on. It was noticeable. The crowd were, were more up for it. But like all in all, we've got to be happy with the win. I just, I just feel like it's a strange one that you look on social media, you talk to people, and there isn't the sort of excitement um, that you'd associate with this position. There's still a lot of like trepidation. Ooh, if you can put that into words, I don't know what they'd be, but like people just seem to be a little bit still nervous of those below us and a bit like, well, that was that was a tough watch. And before we started recording, Dan, you made the sort of parallels to under Blackwell when um when it really was turgid, but we were grinding out results. Um but this is Yeah, I mean Black Blackwell Blackwell's tenure was purely results football and, and not much else to be honest. Kind of came, came in with a bit of a uh, bit of a free swing having taken over from from Robson. And then the season he got us to the season he got, he got us to the playoff final, didn't he? We lost to Burnley, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um for the most part that season was fucking diabolical to watch. We nearly but went we automatically. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. They were, it was in Reading, weren't they? Having a bit of a new. Uh... Was that when we were down at Palace in the final game of the season with a chance of automatic? Yeah. When it when it Birmingham that pipped us to second, we finished that third. We, and we, it, yeah. Birmingham, we Birmingham got penalty in first game of season in like the ninety fifth minute. Got that 90, yeah, and we we went. Oh well, at least that won't affect the season. Yeah. They actually pipped us by a point or two. That's but right, it was yeah. just it, it wasn't good to watch. I remember. Week in, week out on Radio Sheffield, United fans were criticising the, the style and what it was like to watch. And Rob Staten in particular was was not having any of it. He was like, no, no, you're winning. That's all that counts. And I get that. It is. And I'm by no means saying that this season is like that Blackwell season. But we at the minute, we are very results-oriented oriented rather than results rather, rather than performances. I think part of the frustration, certainly from my point of view, is when we turn it on, we look brilliant and we look like we can tear teams apart at will. And like I say, we should we should really have been 3-0 up after 20 minutes the other day. Bogle should have scored. It's a brilliant block from the defender. Like you said earlier, Jebison should have scored if he'd have just composed himself a little bit. And it, it just looked easy. And then something... It, obviously, the other team's got an involvement in that, but we like take his foot off the gas and then can never find it again. And that's happened quite a few times. And that's where I think the frustration, certainly from where I'm coming from, that's where it stems from because we're better than the performances. Well, you all know yourself from playing football. You're not particularly tired when you've got the ball and you're knocking it about with confidence and, and like you, you're imposing yourself as a player in, on the game. Obviously you can't do that for 90 minutes, but it's a lot less tiring. So to the idea of like, you know, oh, well, we can have the ball in these areas, let's just be compact and stuff. Obviously, it's tactically astute to an extent, but like, I don't know, it's I feel like we we definitely could let go a bit more and we've got the players to do that. So I think we need to needs a strong word. It'd be nice to see us do that occasionally. And hopefully we do what we did last season, where in a game against sort of Middlesbrough in a few weeks is the one where, you know, is they they're in a, I know they lost on Sunday, but like they're in a bit of good form. They come to Lane and that's the night that we decide to to show off, if you will. 
Wouldn't surprise me though, because ironically, the team that we've took apart most comprehensively has been Burnley. Yeah, I, I wonder if, if teams start coming to lane and showing some ambition, we'll that that'll play to our strengths. Whereas I think minute teams come in and like I said, doing what they did the other day, which is essentially just sitting in, digging in, working hard, trying to shut us down, doesn't really play into our hands, does it? And and ultimately, it's like we said last week, we're another game on. We've got 18 to go. We're now 13 clear. So the best part of five five wins clear. So that's five wins. So that's realistically somebody winning 14, 15 out of the last 18. Absolutely. This this is this is proper first world problems, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah, it, 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 it has been a great weekend for us, really, isn't it? Apart from maybe the news on Friday, which I'm sure we'll come on to, but Almost every result's gone our way. Yeah. I think that's a perfect point to pivot to that, Phil. I think we all are happy, but I don't know. I think a lot of Blades want a bit more. And are we being greedy? Possibly, but so what? (laughs) We live in a capitalist world. So talking of greedy people and money and things, um, we don't seem to have any all of a sudden. And there's a strange thing. And obviously... We did a pod last week and Phil said he thought we'd be in for a few bumps in the road. And then towards the end of last week, late, was it late on Thursday or Friday evening? Which one was it? It's Thursday evening. Late Thursday night, yeah. Yeah, about half ten. Section 5.3 something or other in Sheffield United of being given a temporary embargo, which lit a flame under West Ham Twitter like I've never seen before. Do you mean you still for look at West Ham Twitter? For a club that's likes rules as much as these fucking cunts, I hope the team in third place has got the lawyers ready. And I somebody put, well, they can give us a 15-point reduction, we'll probably still finish second, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but let's not get carried away. But obviously, it's, it's we owe somebody a bit of money relating to a player. Um, for me, it's a bit embarrassing. Is my, was my first thought, and Ian, you talked about lose like the prince maybe losing a bit of goodwill. It's just something that, despite all the dodgy things that have been going off in our with United, we've never had like a transfer embargo or something like that. Um, and yeah, yeah. just felt a bit embarrassed about it to be honest. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I you're right. I put on the chat. I, I just found it, you know. There'll be mixed views on what, how the Prince has gone about his ownership of United. In a way, you can't fault, you know, he's, we've, we've had some success under his reign. How he's funded that is open for debate. You know, the very limited input of funds himself. Obviously, borrowing payday loan style against future TV money. And, and that's where you hit a bump like this, I guess, because maybe the assumption is that the Takeover is imminent, but we're not going to get another short-term loan to bump to keep things going. You know, we, it bothers me a bit because we borrowed so much. In, we, we, I can't remember the amounts now, but we took out significant amounts against future TV payments earlier yeah. this year, which you'd hope would be which would cover us this year. And it's not like we've not, you know, give or take the you know the few hundred that we can't get on the cop. We're getting good crowds. You know, there's a there's a proper you know. I don't think they could max out much more than that unless there's something on the corporate side that you know that we don't see. But 
Ooh, we're on TV. We're on TV all the time. Like, annoyingly so. We seem yeah. to be on TV constantly. Sunday will be I mean, good money yeah. for United. And that's not that's not a big and it's not big amounts, but it's all incremental income over and above what we might have budgeted for. See, what I guess what bothers me about it all is the fact that there is such a short term, seemingly short term need for cash that hasn't been planned for. Um, I I just hope, and we may never know, but I just hope that the timing of where the potential takeover is, is the reason that the funds aren't being, being paid out that are due. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, it just all seems a very strange one, but even, I mean, United can say what they want in their statements, but they said that the EFL have taken into account an extraordinary set of circumstances, which I just thought was an interesting wording of mm. the situation because clearly there's something else going on, which you'd have to assume is the, the takeover, isn't it? Yeah. I, I suppose the thing with the takeover for me was if if you're at the, the latter stages or you've got, there's obviously an agreement in principle there because obviously they've lodged deposit or they've lodged some money's you know, as, as proof of commitment kind of thing. But you'd think there'd be a list of, I'm going to call it unders and overs for simplicity, but, you know, a list of uh, items, you know, liable, potential liabilities, et cetera, that would be there, and they become an adjustment, you know, depending on the timing of the deal settling, you know, that will impact the final price. And I would have assumed something of this nature was part of that, you know, and it shouldn't hold anything up that, if the prince has to pay it out now in order to meet our contractual commitments, then that's part of the 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 price that's then which then built into the price, and, and vice versa. If it didn't happen, then that's a, a you know a future liability that a new owner's got a bank put some money aside to, to pay out in the short term. So that bit it, it just it so it doesn't quite sit right, and I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to start any conspiracy theories. It just I, I just think if it was something like that, it, surely we could have just dealt with it in a, in a lot more um, sensitive and sensible way without it blowing up in a way as because it, it took United the best part of Friday to come out with a statement. To, I'm to just amazed it. that given our checkered history with owners, that this is our first transfer embargo. <laughs> Honestly, with, 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 the, with the bad owners that we've had pretty much as long as I've been watching that. How is it possible that this is the first time that we've not paid someone? Not because we've had McCabe for so long. You know, think about when embargoes came in. But let's be honest, if there'd have been a proper embargoes about, we'd have had one at some point under uh, Mike McDonald or Charles Green or something. Yeah, that's what it, I'm thinking. It's only recently that the EFL's been so so stringent with its self-policing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we, we might have done in the past. It just wasn't announced publicly. Yeah. The EFL have said that um, we've got so long to deal with the matter or that more information will be announced. And I'm guessing they're talking about who the player and who the club is, but not that that really matters. But you'd hope, certainly by the middle of the week this week, we've at least tried to resolve the issue or it'll get, I don't know, highlighted even more I, I, I don't know we'll just it, again I think we're in for a bit of an interesting week with with everything that's going on added to the fact that there's obviously rumours of bids for one of his players and, and the takeover as well it's uh, it, it could be an interesting week well the club that are obviously allegedly bidding for NJ have 
sacked the manager about three hours ago, haven't they? Yeah. I don't think he'd have ever gone to Everton anyway. No, I mean, as much as... I mean, don't be wrong, Everton are a big club, a big historical club. But they look odds on to be playing championship football next season. And I, I think he's got... Well, he's, he's made it... Him and his people have made no secret the fact that he's got ambitions to play in the top flight. So that would, whilst in club stature, it would be a, you know, Everton are a step up from us. We have to accept that. In terms of where they are in the game, I mean, it's a backward step for me. But but also that he's like you say, it's a backward step, and he's joining a club. If he was to, if there was some sort of acceptance of United, and he went there, he's joining a club who seemed to have no logical strategy to about how they're going about things. Yeah. You know, having a shortlist that's got Bielsa and Dyche on it, well, that's two completely different ways of of playing football to get out of the situation they're in. And I it, think Everton will, will stay up, actually, but I don't think that will impact whether NGI goes or not. I think they'll stay up simply because there's enough, if you get, the, if you get somebody in to get them organised and drilled, like there's enough good players in that club to to be okay, but and a big but, like they're doing really, it quickly though. Now it's going to be tough. Needs to yeah, be quick. That's why say, I think it's be a good move. Yeah, get get Dyche in. You, Cody Tarkovsky. Cody, like you play your back four, like Coleman, Cody Tarkovsky, and the Ukrainian kid at left back. Get Pickford to just chill out a little bit. Solid across the middle, they'll be they'd be fine. Uh, Rondon up front if he's still there, I think he is. But like the the problem with Everton and why Andrade doesn't really fit the bill is apart from that. Oh nah, nah, they signed this year. Um, they don't seem to have a transfer strategy. I think they they go and get the best of what they can, and they have done that now for like three or four years, and they're in a complete and utter mess as a result of it, aren't they? And I was under the impression they were very close to, or, or not already, like being in an issue with financial fair play. Hence their recruitment in the summer largely being like cheap transfers. Yeah. So, so if you'd like to think whatever the, the figures of whatever it is, 15 to 22 million, surely that's not enough. I don't think so. I, I don't. I, I think if we're talking, let's be honest, if we're looking at in, Let's make an assumption that it's an instalment. It has to be an instalment on an existing signing. So you can narrow it down to probably two or three of signings. And if you're then looking at an instalment, then for the amount of money we owe to sell one of our best players and, and potentially undersell them, to bank 10 or 15 million of it and then use the rest to pay off for short-term debt makes little sense yeah. for a club in our position. Now, that's not to say we haven't seen times before with the United Board of exercised very little sense, but... But if, you, if you're if you the Prince as well, like, still wants to probably, with this sale, maintain some sort of reputation in the football world with the United World side of things. So, like, selling United short at the last minute to clean up a mess because they've mismanaged the finances... It's it not only doesn't make business sense, but like reputation and, and stuff are being tatters for doing that. I also saw as well though that Beershot had an injection of cash recently. So again, it's not again there's there's cash there. So coming back to, to, to Phil's point, 
it probably is tied in with a takeover because he's clearly got, you know, I'm not talking big numbers, but you know, low millions. He's he's apparently put invested back into Bearshaw recently. The thing is, obviously, we've I know we've criticised the Prince on here from time to time, but under um, McCabe, you could bet you you could almost bet your life that Njai would go. Oh, he'd be or would have gone already. Now. We used to. I remember these these, we, these early bids, fifteen to twenty million. We, five, two or five years ago, we were like, "Yep, done, sold." Like if you remember when we had, um, what's he called? Like, I think I remember traveling to Reading in FA Cup, and we got Nick Blackman scoring for fun. And on Friday, there'd been a rumor that somebody was like moderately interested, and then lo and behold, he'd gone. Like that morning, there wasn't any, there wasn't ever like the we've not. I can't remember when somebody's no, I correct me if I'm wrong, but when people have come in for players when we've had the prints, it's not be there's been a drawn out process or it's just they've just not gone. The only one we've sold is Ramsdale, mm. and he forced that little bitch. By all, accounts, by all accounts, he we turned down two or three bids for him, which is why he chucked his toys out the pram. So he's got a record of being able to get value for money for players, hasn't he? Yeah. But, yeah, um, I think we need to... Let's just see how the next week or two pans out. But it, was, it wasn't it was nice to have that happening. Uh, maybe it did, did help with the atmosphere a bit on Friday. Uh, but... I think to your point, that you said it a few times earlier, it's embarrassing. I think it's embarrassing for us as fans of the club. I think the club expected it and have seen this coming for a while, listening to what uh, Gibbottom said on Friday. There's been stuff going on for a while. He's alluded to not having the money to pay for the um, undersoil heating at the training ground. Uh, the women's match was called off last week because they didn't turn the undersoil heating on at Bramall Lane before their game. So th- there's been a few bits and bobs going on recently. I just hope it gets resolved soon because, like I say, as fans, it leaves a bit of a sour taste on it. Absolutely. But what doesn't leave a sour taste is the magic of the FA Cup. And we have got a very, very magical FA Cup game on Sunday. It'll be on TV. I had every in, I had every intention of going, but due to the ongoing issue with the trains, it would have meant, well, the train situation was dire. It would have meant driving five and a half hours each way on a Sunday and getting back at midnight, and although the better half did say, John, you can go if you want, I had to, I had a serious word myself and decided that would be too much, so I'll be watching it on TV, uh, as will as all, I presume, and it's an exciting game. It'll be interesting because about, apart from United fans, every other football sport in the country is going to be rooting for Wrexham. That's it's fair enough. It's nice to be in that position. Yeah, and I think that'll suit us. So it was down to the ground. So obviously, Wrexham's an interesting one. I don't know if there'd be the same level of excitement if it wasn't for the fact that they're managed by, they're owned by Deadpool and uh, and Rob McKenney. But at the same time, what a fixture. Dan, how do you see it playing out? Uh, I think one of them were, they have a, they, they'll probably start like a train. It'll be a tough, 
maybe first 20 minutes, first half hour, because like I said, they'll have the crowd behind them, the enthusiasm, the whole thing. I think we'll probably end up winning it fairly comfortably. I could see us winning it three or four nil, to be honest. I, I look at I look at them and I, I, having watched Welcome to Wrexham, it's like I was chatting to my wife yesterday. You kind of take this semi-interesting in how they're doing because obviously we know they didn't make it last season uh, in the playoffs and and didn't lost the FA Trophy final, etc. And I, the thing I've noticed this season is yeah they score goals but they also concede. And you know I think they were they sneaked to win at the weekend at Maidstone three um, two having been behind, I think. So, you know, they concede goals. So, whilst I think there'll be a lot of uh, like a raucous atmosphere and, you know, be a proper... It'd be good to watch us in a proper cup tie where there's a proper, you know, decent atmosphere at an FA Cup tie. You know, I yeah. think I think we'll just have too much for them. But it'd be a competitive uh, game. I, I don't know who they've got playing for them. Apart from Mark Howard, I know... Still, uh, still there and been playing. We've got Super Paul Mullen, Phil, top goal scorer. Mickey Thomas not. Mickey Thomas, Thomas not still Mickey playing Thomas not there anymore. John won't get that reference. Me, uh, sorry, no, I just pretended I did with a polite smile. He's uh, <laughs> um. They've got no. They've got um. Callum McFadden in, obviously at, at fullback. Um, and they've got a few players who've played. League One, League Two football. You know, that's the big thing. Mullins took, took that step down. You got Ollie Palmer from Wimbledon do the season. He's not in the team at the minute. Um he got have they got um they've got Tony Cliff who used to, who came for Man U and then Fulham, haven't they? No, it's a different one. It's Jordan. that's Jordan, not Ryan. I thought oh. that was so I did wonder if it was him because I knew he'd obviously he was working his way down the leagues a bit. Okay. So, well, but, yeah, uh, Paul, Paul Mullin, who who got in trouble for having personalised boots this season that said, fuck the Tories on. Uh, and the club even went and posted on their Twitter that they do not condone such offensive messages on nothing to do with the club and stuff. But Paul Mullen, the striker, is a bit of a character. and he seems I've, to been have... asked, I've been asked to do a full set of them for a Sunday League football team. There we are. A full so... set of fuck the Tories. Outstanding. You're doing it. Yeah, a full set of full set of fuck the Tories football boots for a Sheffield Sunday League team. Love it, absolutely brilliant, and I echo those sentiments so loudly. But we're not here talking about politics, talking about Wrexham. Phil Parkinson's a fucking prick, isn't he? So it'd be nice to beat beat them just for that because they should win the league with the squad they've got. But he's just a really is that, shit. Is Phil Parkinson their manager? Yeah, Croton face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that. I didn't even, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I got a scrotum face. I didn't know that he was their manager. The, the best yeah. bit about watching World Cup is when they're all wanting him out about halfway through last season. But by the end of the season, they think he's gone. And then he he, he misses out in the playoff semi-finals and uh, they lose the FA Trophy final. I'm amazed he's still there now. But you don't get much money behind him. You don't get much insight into like his training methods or anything, but all he does is like, be fucking good, be fucking strong, fucking pass it, fucking win, fuck. And you're like, Jesus. Yeah, they, they, have, the passion, they have the passion on me to remember, don't they, which is every time he swears. And it is literally, there's no tactics. 
He's got Steve Parkin, ex-Rochdale manager, as his assistant. He's got his, his, his son, Phil Parkinson's son, is the kind of scout, kind of, um, I don't know, what, what is he? He's like some sort of, he watches all the opposition. Is Parkinson's the scrotum? What's his son? Or a name. The only podcast, apart from a podcast on male genitalia, that's twice mentioned perineums <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah. It's but yeah, Phil Parkinson's a prick. So I want to beat him for that, for that mainly. But we'll be on the documentary next year, so bootlegger will probably be there as well, your favourite Dan. Oh Jesus Christ. That, that, I definitely want to hammer him then. So, yeah, you've got. He doesn't bit. really appear. He's he's very rarely on the dock. No, but lo- lo- lots of odd oddballs drinking real ale, calling him, referring to him as captain on Twitter. Well, he's a lager man. He, he likes whatever, whatever he drinks. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it should be. It, it'll be like you're saying, like a, an actual. Like it'll be a really good game to watch. We haven't discussed it yet, but I think we'll probably try and record not long after the final whistle, all being well, since we'll all be in in hype football mood, and hopefully, we get a good a good draw in the fifth round. Should we be successful, as long as it's not against the bastard from S six? Well, do you know? What? I'm not sure. I, I, there might be something nice about getting them. We've not played them for a while. There might be something exciting. Well, they might drill nil nil, draw nil nil at Lane again, and uh, have a part. I don't know if we could guarantee that we beat them. Yeah, it'd be great. Would you, you won't want them away though, Dan? You'd want them at Lane. Oh yeah, at Lane definitely, definitely at Lane. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I probably can't do a pod by the way. I just I, I can't do a pod after Sunday. I'm travelling down your neck of the woods Sunday night. Oh, picking my mum up from Heathrow. Do it from. Um... Do it from the car. Hello. I'm on the, I'm on the M1. Wait till we get to my heat, wait till we get to my hotel in Slough. If this Wi-Fi is good enough, then we can maybe do one then. Well, let's, let's definitely consider it. But yes, um, predictions, boys. I think, judging by the Millwall game, it'll play a strong team, and exactly as Dan says. But I'm going to say, Rex, and we're going to score first to make us nervous, but we're going to win 2-1. Uh, 3-0 for me. 4-2. I think they'll score as well. I'm going to go 3-1. 4-2 would be interesting. Wow. Yeah, well, it'll be... be, It's it's nice to be be in the game of the round, really, as well. And we just... Yeah, so we'll see what happens um, on Sunday. And anyone who's going, enjoy. And for most of you, I'm sure... Younger listeners, definitely a new ground, and yeah, being part of what will be a big, big FA Cup spectacle. Because on this podcast, we love the FA Cup, um, and so many things we love. We're going to put someone into our tournament squad. So, Ian, you want to introduce him, maybe? Since I don't yeah. know why you over anyone else, actually. I mean, I've got the same sort of hair as he had. Um, what, like pubes? Yeah. 
Pubes. <laughs> Pubes. Right. I'm going to fill up my red wine whilst you're introducing <laughs> Can I just put out for the listeners? We've now got two members of Four Blazers of Pub leave their seats at that comment. One, I think one in disgust and one to fill his kettle up. <laughs> so, um, yes, in, in terms of nominations, if you haven't guessed by the description of hair, but that's a completely different thing. Um, we've gone a bit further back in selecting a player to enter the squad this time. And, and actually, I think for me, this is one of the best players I've seen in United shirt, fulfilled a number of roles, never got the national credit he deserved for his performances. And I would say he was probably one of the better players, English players in his position. Um, injuries interrupted his time at United and ultimately injury ended his career. But let's be honest, very few Sheffield lads go on to score in two Sheffield derbies in the same season. Um, and that's good. That's dreamland stuff. But ultimately, he was still a bloody good footballer, and that's Dane Whitehouse. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Dane Whitehouse. He's up there in my, one of my all-time favourite United players. Obviously, Sheffield lad, Blade, fantastic. But like you say, a really good footballer. And, and it's amazing, considering how England was scratching around in the 90s for... Anyone with a left foot, basically, if you, if you had a left foot, you got an England cap in the 90s. And there was some absolute dross got some England caps by virtue of nothing more than having a left foot. I mean, that continues. And the fact that he never noughties. got a sniff. Yeah. You know, playing, playing regularly in the Premier League, scoring goals, playing well, never even got a sniff, never even got a mention as far as I can remember, never even... Never even remember him being linked with like a, an England call-up. Um, I don't know about that. It's just playing to like the north-south bias. Everyone hates us with Sheffield United. But yeah, it always baffled me that he was never uh, never in contention for an England, an England cap. I, I remember going to see an England B international at Hillsborough. I think it was England BV, Northern Ireland. And I think Tracy might have got a call-up into the squad for that. But I think it was all we were all expecting around the time of that and in Tobin's national being announced that Whitehouse would get a call up and he just didn't. Yeah. Um pretty sure Hurst was in the squad as well at that time. So there, there was when, of, when you consider shit like Tinton and Wilcox and Guppy and people at were got in England caps for, for years just because they were left footed. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think if he'd have got that move to Leeds, was it? That one about paying money for him. If he'd have actually gone rather than staying, oh, I want to stay at Sheffield United. Do you think he might have got something? Yeah, then? possibly. Yeah. Went to that club. higher profile club. It's interesting when we, we think back to some of the um, previous players we've had on here. For certainly Wayne Quinn put him in his, in his one to eleven. I'm fairly sure. Radders did. Radders did. Um, Kevin Gage did. So th- these are the people that have played with him down here and they're all he's always in their best players they've played with in their career. So there's got to be something in that. And bearing in mind that, that is that's two versions of him. So like yeah. Bradshaw Gage would have put him in there as a, a left winger. Quinney would have put him in there as a central midfielder. Yeah. He played centrally, didn't he? At that by that stage he'd moved more central. So he's kind of getting into into multiple players' best 11s 
in two separate positions at two kind of stages of his career. I mean, I remember in it was like White House for me used to do like the ball always seemed to for a while when I first started going. Used to when it used to fall at the back post, he'd always be in there just with his left foot to slot it in. And they probably didn't score that many goals like that. But I just remember he was always in the right place at the right time as a player. And you talk about like, like you know, people's favorite ever United players. Like, I know we're doing a, a World Cup squad here, but I think anyone from like my age, even a touch younger, so anyone like in the late 30s. Onwards, I'd have White House probably in the first 11, whether they played with him, like we've just said, or supporters. And that's testament to how good he was. And like, I think the versatility you're touching on there, Dan, is perfect for a tournament squad because he, you get him into your starting 11 wherever you wanted to play him. And that's, that's a wonderful quality to have in a player, especially to do it at a high standard like he did, always did for United as well. I think the thing for me with him, like you say, he he, he filled in at left left back, left wing, central midfield, and he had obviously had a career interrupted with injuries. But I'm just looking here at his, his stats in the in the top tier. Um, and he, the first season we went up, he didn't didn't play that much. But that second season, obviously, which included. The two goals against Wednesday, he scored seven seven goals in thirty four top flight appearances. He then scored five in fourteen the season after, and five in thirty eight the season after that. I mean, to be averaging the best part of a goal every five games and better average than that in a couple of those seasons, despite probably not being fit for all of that season, I think shows his his ability. And it comes back to your point, Dan. You know, there's a there's a left sided player who wasn't just creating; he was scoring on a reasonably regular basis from those positions. He's a, he was a relatively modern day player. The way that he mm-hmm. played 25 years ago, whatever it was. And I think it, it showed you for that brief period of time when he came into the middle and, and dominated that team when he was playing in, in the middle of midfield. That almost looked like his best position we'd seen him in. We we loved him anyway, and then he come back from that first injury, went and played middle of midfield, and looked unstoppable. He uh, yeah. he had a bit of everything to him, didn't he? he was, I say he was he was quick. He could shoot. He was tough. He was. Yeah, and he fucking ate on Wednesday, which was lovely. Yeah, I think I, I know he didn't make that. I mean. The guy didn't make that many mistakes as United manager. I think one of the biggest mistakes that Dave Bassett ever made was playing Whitehouse at left back in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. Because Wednesday were terrified of Whitehouse. Whitehouse was properly, he was like a real, real thorn in their side for a long time. Scored goals against them, ter- you know, caused them problems. And I think they must have been, I think they must have breathed a collective sigh of relief when they turned left back rather than pushing on left side of midfield, left wing, and actually causing problems further at the pitch. And, and I can't remember who, why he played him at left back. I'm guessing it was a needs musting. I'm guessing someone was injured. But I, I just thought that that took a lot away from, from our chances on that day. To be honest. There, was, there, was a, there was a few odd decisions that day by Bassett in terms of team selection for that match. But you're right, that's yeah. 
that that in a way nullified us and and gave them lifted them which in just you know, gave them a shot in the arm it's one of them things you know every yeah. so often you see a team shoot and someone's either not playing or they're playing out of position and you instantly think aye aye and I think that probably that was the reaction when they saw that it would have given them a shot in the arm straight away I mean, obviously, the, we, we touched a bit on the injuries. Obviously, the way it all came to an end was tragic. And he's, he's spoken out in the last sort of 12, 18 months in an interview about, you know, the fact that he genuinely didn't get any contact at all from Ainsworth, you know, and just an absolute tragic way for someone's career to come to an end when he was, what, we would have been what, 30 at that point, not quite 30. I mean... There were, I think football, bad tackles happen. But it's all about sort of how you go about that afterwards and stuff. Like, to not contact someone when you've ended the career, even if you do it retrospectively, years later, because you're young and stupid and naive or whatever. But Gareth Ainsworth is a fucking arsehole. You only have to look at him. He clearly don't wash his hair. He's probably got an horrendous CD collection. Still wears leather jackets in 2023. And he's just... He, but to not contact somebody, he's just, like, got the heart of a pea, haven't you? That's what it comes down. And just no, just no class about you. The jokes aside, I just made, I believe strongly in all those things. But just really, just such a lack of class. Yeah. And, and like you say, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible for, for, a, for a lad of what might say 28. And actually, albeit we were back, we were in, in Division One then and what, second tier as it, as it was then. Um, and he probably wasn't quite as, as an effective a player, he was still in reasonably in the prime of his career. I think putting him into this squad's in, important in another sense, in that he gives us versatility in this squad. And that's something that you always want in a tournament squad. You, not say so you want your your Swiss Army knife player, utility player, but he, he could he could legitimately play in two positions for us in this squad at least with ease. And you also um, want people who like are going to run for a brick wall for the badge on the shirt. Yeah, and and you and and sort of bring on some people who maybe uh, got the talent but don't have that side to the game and that passion. But yeah, and like Phil says, you also want people who fucking hate Wednesday. Oh yeah, I mean he's in for for that if nothing else. Random fact: random fact. When he had his knee operated on, I had my knee operated on the same operation by the same surgeon. As his next surgery. Well, true. Well, yeah. True that. You've never told it. Well, you may have mentioned that to Dan before. I did not know that, Philip. No. Part we were part of part of a trial rather than taking so much rest before and everything like that. We were given these like massive like a concertina thing that you had to strap your leg to. So you strap your leg to this concertina thing and put like a, I don't know how to explain it, like a, a water bed around your leg. Symbols on your knees, a drum on your back. Exactly that, yeah. 
and it the, the water bed was meant to keep your fluid flowing around your leg whilst you've got this concertina thing on that just basically did that with your leg i'd to have it on the same day that i had the operation there was five of us five of us on the trial dane was one of them and i was one of the other four I mean, it worked <laughs> i came back to the shit <laughs> i was about to say what what were you what were afterwards well I spent several years taking, well, me and the other centre-half spent several years taking Phil's goal kicks for him after that, if that, if that gives you an idea as to how successful it was. I couldn't kick. I couldn't yeah. kick with it. And I just feel like, as well, for that, that to happen to anyone at 28, 30, just that decision to retire, when you've obviously been in the Premier League and stuff, and probably beat down New United... Turned out he, he probably wouldn't have been around for the last the next time we got up. But who knows, we might have got there a bit sooner if he'd been around. It just must be the worst thing for to go through as a footballer, particularly when you've you 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 know you've played at that top level and you know you're good enough to have it taken away from you. Not even not even by like by chance, by by a coward's challenge. Just yeah, it's really sad. Sorry, I was very sombre there. I was going to say. One thing, uh, I dwell on all the sort of bad stuff that happened to him towards the end of his career and the, the relationship with United broke down for a number of years and things like that, but the fact he can still now go and get involved in events at the club and he'll quite often just go and sit as a fan and he'll get over it. I don't know, he probably never will do fully, but he's enjoying football again and he's enjoying coming to Bramall Lane and he's helpful. He's happy to do stuff if he's asked to by the club. So it's not been great for him and, and things weren't good for him the way that he was treated, but it's nice to see that that seems to have been repaired somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's definitely someone that should be should be involved in the, with the club in some way, shape or form. 100%. One last thing, then, in that in that sense, he ought to be, they ought to make more of him, for me, because when you get former players, and I know he's local lad, so it's different, so he's around, but you know we get players out on the pitch. You know, every so often, we should bring players like Dane, more the other local lads onto the pitch, and just remind this current generation of some of the. You know, we had good quality. Talking about, we said earlier about young lads coming through the ranks at United that went on to play top level football and played top level football at a good, good standard. You know, not 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 sitting there in you know relegation battling sides, but sides that held their own. Um, now yeah, <laughs> now they just get Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry. Now they just get Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, D Dane. What Dane's achieved in his time at United is the dream of most, when well, any of us. Yeah. I'll never forget that goal at, well, the goal at the lane, but then the goal at Hillsborough. And just going absolutely, that's probably the mentally side of a win, the goal on that upper tier. It was just an amazing night. I, 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 was, I was on the lower tier on crutches at the time, having just torn ligaments in my ankle about two weeks earlier playing football and completely forgot that I should have been on crutches and just, just went fucking spare. And I was going to 
I'm trying to pick him out. Phil's Phil's having a cuppa and he's got his Arty um, Bianco United squad mug, which you'll have Dane on there somewhere. Definitely is. Not like that. Um, not like that black and white shirt with all these numbers names on it that he wasn't on apparently. That that was indicative of the regime at the time as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but people like Kevin Dyche were on it who had never played for us. <laughs> Sean Dyche, sorry. Yeah, there were loads of random trialists on there, weren't there, and stuff like that. I can't see him. Imagine if they did one of those for like one of the Scottish clubs, like Arbroath. They'd have like about five hundred trialists all over <laughs> it. Because you used to see it in the Sunday papers. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah, trialist, trialist, a trialist. Fill a shirt with him for a Scottish club hundredth anniversary, or whatever. Bill is very, very engaged in his mug right now. Guys. He's very studiously scanning the mug. He must be on it. He will be. Look for the pubes. Look, look for the pubes. <laughs> but um, you amongst yourselves, I'll find him eventually. But a very worthy inductee into that tournament squad and um, yeah he'll be I'm sure he'll be watching with the rest of us when we play Wrexham on Sunday um, been good to catch up as always boys another three points and a fantastic weekend for United we've all given us predictions for, for Sunday and we've got another player in our squad so I'd say that's a job well done apart from the spider that made me nearly drop my glass of wine towards the end of that podcast very successful indeed. So only <laughs> only one only one thing to say, and it's not have you found him yet, Phil? Because you haven't. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, he's found him just like that, and there he is, which is really great podcast content. Uh, Phil's yeah. <laughs> there. He is. You have to imagine what Phil. You have to imagine a mug being placed right close to a camera. He's in Phil's hand, holding it, and one of his fingers pointing at it. He's, he's in there the, next to Quinn. He's next to Quinny, isn't he? Not Quinn. Is that no? He's next to Glenn Hodges, there, isn't he? Yeah, uh, next to Glenn Hodges, yeah. And Alan Hodgkinson the other side, yeah. In good company with two Hodges, if you will, either side of him. Uh, Hodge I. What's an uh, what's a collective collective now for Hodges? Oh. Now, did you see well, that clip of that woman who said, "What is the collective noun?" For um, collective noun for a group of something, and she said Liberal Democrats. I'll find the clip. Oh gosh, that's uh, very very funny. But anyway, we've given us predictions. Always good to catch up. Enjoy the game on Sunday, whether you're at the race course or you're watching on the BBC. Uh, don't get too upset if they call the Sheffield because it's just not worth it. And they will probably mispronounce players' names as well. And we just just let it go and enjoy. You're watching it at home, John. I am. Hmm. Hmm. Give us a hmm. Phil looks <laughs> Phil's having a I can see yeah. the kernel of I can see the kernel of an idea forming in Phil's head there. I might. I don't know. I'll, I'll see. See what time I'm leaving here. If I can, I might make it work and come meet it, come watch it with. That's not a bad idea at all, is it? All right, then. Hold the blades. Hold the blades. Hold the blades. Hold the blades. Hold the blades.